This reading is from 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, 11 to 21. Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are trying to give you an opportunity to take pride in us, so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Thanks, Matt. So the second reading is from Matthew, and it's um, from chapter 9, verse 35, to chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and disease. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out his workers into the harvest field. He called his twelve disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas, and Matthew the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not take along any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Take no bag for the journey or extra tunic or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Beautifully read, both of you, thank you. So we're kicking off this new series, 
called Storytime, three weeks, just thinking about how we can uh, speak about our faith. We're doing that because we've got this thing that we're also launching for this year as a church. It's called One. If you uh, are new to St. Saviour's, you're, you're not sure uh, what we're up to. It's called One. And what we're seeking to do is for everyone who comes to the church to lead one person to faith uh, in the next year. So it's quite a simple thing. It's an exciting thing. Are you feeling excited and gripped by the prospect? Come on. I said, are you feeling excited and gripped by the prospect? Good. I certainly am. Now, what I want to do to kick this off is tell you a story. I cycle a bit, and I was cycling to a meeting about five miles away, and I got on my bike. I was just going down Woodbridge Road, actually, past the cricket club, and then I noticed this car swerve, and it sort of went to the wrong side of the road, and a man was trying to cross the road. It knocked him over, and it lindered up on his leg. And the guy, the driver, stopped on his leg. He was shouting, so I jumped off my bike, went over to the driver, said, you've got to reverse. You've got to reverse on his leg. So he sort of reversed over his leg and stopped. And I didn't really know what to do. So, you know, one of those things, it happens so quickly. I was like, oh, my gosh. So I went to see the guy on the floor, and he was, in a, he was in a lot of pain. And I was thinking, oh, maybe I should just call an ambulance. And basically, uh, this woman walked by. She jumped in. She said, don't worry. She said, I'm an off-duty policewoman. I thought, oh, that's good. You're here. And um, <laughs> we sort of spoke to the driver. We checked the guy was all right. She called an ambulance. And she said to me, excuse me, um, would you mind being a witness? Would you mind being a witness? And tonight, I want to just think about the call on our lives, actually, to be a witness. And uh, I don't know whether you've realized it, but as I hope we'll see, uh, we're all witnesses. And basically, what I want to do tonight is think about one thing. Why on earth are we doing this one thing? Why are we on earth trying to lead one person to faith? in the coming year, and also how are we going to do it? What, what is the start, what's the beginning of a few ideas about how we can do it? So that's where we're going. I chose those verses from the Apostle Paul. He's this extraordinary person. He comes to faith, dramatic encounter, you know the story. And uh, basically he writes this, these verses to um, the, the church in Corinth. It's his second letter to the church. And basically... Uh, I think he would love one. He would think, since Saviour's good on you. Love the one. My only comment would be, why isn't it 101? But let's not get bogged down on that. Uh, And I think what I want to say is he was here. I think he'd say, it's brilliant you're doing one. And I think the reason you're doing one, of course, he would say, is in response to Jesus' love shown for us on the cross. That's why we're doing one. Uh, Verse 14. For Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one, that's Jesus, died for all. And in verse 19, God through him is reconciling uh, himself through Christ, not counting men's sins against them. He'd say, look, for goodness sake, you know, as a Christian, you actually caught up in the most extraordinary thing that actually you have seen, you've understood. It's been revealed to you. God has shown you. He's opened your eyes to what he's done in Jesus Christ. And uh, that's an amazing, amazing thing that we're caught up in. It's very easy as a Christian to lose sight of that and sort of you know, lose sight of the wonder, the, the, the phenomenal thing it is that we do when we gather here 
and the phenomenal thing that we're all caught up in uh, in life. I think that's the first thing Paul would say. I think he'd also say, look, we're doing one because actually, having come to faith, you and I, uh, in response to what Jesus has done on the cross, our whole lives are reorientated. We, we no longer live for ourselves, but we live for him, to bring him glory and declare his praises. Verse 15, he died that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. There's this whole sense, isn't there? It's one of the great lies of modern life. If you make a life about you, it becomes really small and unsatisfying. If you make it about him and other people, it becomes life and life to the full. And I think Paul would say, you know, it's great you're doing one because actually you're making your focus really about other people, not you. And in so doing, you will find life and life to the full in a way uh, that you certainly won't if you don't do that. I think as well, I don't know how you feel about this, but he'd say, you know, it's great you're doing one because you've actually not just caught up in what God has done in the cross. You're not just reorientated your whole life as a result of coming to faith. But you yourself have experienced the profound, profound reality of having a relationship with God himself. And that has brought deep transformation to you. It's funny, just looking around the rooms, the conversations I've had as I've heard your stories of what God has done in Jesus for you and through you. And just the radical transformation that God has brought. Verse 70. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The news here. Something radical has happened to you, which we lose sight of in the busyness of dropping our kids off at school, uh, checking emails, going to meetings, and doing this crazy thing called life. But actually, profound things have happened to us in eternity, having come to faith in Jesus. And I think Paul would also say, look, it's a stupid question. Why are you doing one? You do one because that's what God wants you to, verses 18 and 20. He wants us to be speaking and witnessing about who he is and what he's done all the time. Verse 18, all this is from God. It's a gift who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And he, uh, in verse 20, has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We're therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his very appeal through us. So that's what I want to suggest, a few sort of headline reasons for why we're doing one. Why we're seeking as a church to actually look out and witness to Jesus Christ and to actually speak about him. Now... That's Paul, we'll come back to him. But I thought, well, okay, that's the how. Sorry, that's the why, but what about the how? How are we going to do this? And then I was, I was reading through some of the Gospels over the summer, and I thought maybe the best place to start is a general, on this first week, general ideas or inspiration from how Jesus operated and what happened, his guidance, if you like, to the first time he sent the 12 disciples out from Matthew's Gospel which is why um, uh, Bex read that second passage. And I've got some ideas uh, for what we need to do if we want to see people come to faith. Now, who here does really, really want to see some people come to faith? Hands up if you don't. Okay, that's no one. Maybe you're not all being honest, but (laughs) there's, there's none of us don't want this to happen, do we? 
Wouldn't you love to be sitting here next year with the church double in size? Not because it's double the size, but because actually he's used us to speak about Jesus. And that work of transformation is happening in another person's life. Well, how, how can we do this? I want to suggest a few things. The first is that we need to uh, participate or commit to being a witness. We need to really commit to being a witness and take this seriously. And, you know, when that policewoman said to me, excuse me, sir, would you like, you know, could you be a witness? I have to be honest. My first reaction, please don't tell anyone, was that, you know, I really, really don't want to be a witness. I really don't want to be a witness. Uh, you know, this is going to mean I'm going to have to go somewhere. I'm going to have to give a statement at the police station. It's going to be hassle. Then possibly if it goes to trial, you know, or if there's some sort of legal sort of thing, I'm going to have to go and tell my story. And actually, I really, I really don't think I want to be a witness. And so I want to ask you, do you want to uh, be a witness to Jesus. One thing I love about Jesus, it's clear in these verses, is that he never asks us to do anything that he hasn't done himself. He's not one of those people who say, you do that, that's good for you, but I'm not doing it. Actually, if we look at these verses from Matthew chapter 9, uh, it's clear. He witnesses to God himself. Verse 35, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And then he sends out the 12. He asks them to actually be a witness. We'll look at that in a bit, little bit more detail in a minute. And then he doesn't just send the 12 out, but he calls us all to be witnesses, doesn't he? And so we know, and at the risk of being basic or laboring this, you know, you know the words of the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So we're all called. Jesus calls us all to actually make disciples, which means we need to witness if we're going to make disciples. We need to speak about him, and then we need to care for people who do come uh, to faith. So he models it. He clearly asks the 12 to do it, and he continually asks us just to witness to him, as we've heard from those verses from Paul. And um, let me ask you, um, are you witnessing to him? Are you witnessing to Jesus? Uh, we witness in all sorts of ways. You know, St. Saviour's is such an amazing church. You are such an amazing group of people because you do life differently. You take this seriously. You live in countercultural ways. You do all sorts of stuff all around the place. And uh, actually, that is amazing, full stop. But actually... Also, so many of you speak about your faith as well. We're called to witness, you see, to who Jesus is and what he's done on the cross. So that's the first thing I'm kind of saying tonight. You know, if you really, really, really want to see people come to faith, you need to make a commitment to be a witness. And uh, I find with me, witnessing doesn't come naturally. I find with me, I kind of can go through long periods without witnessing. So what I've done the last year or so, year or two, is I put time in my diary to be a witness, just so that I definitely do it. I put a day a week aside to be a witness. And I sometimes sit on the bench out there, start conversations with people, talk about, people, talk about Jesus, pray for people, sometimes walk around the town. And because um, I, I know it just doesn't happen. And then, of course, I do try and take those opportunities I get to speak about Jesus as well uh, as, as I go around the place too. So that's the first thing. Second, if we're going to see people come to faith, actually, 
we need to be people who really love people. This is really, really important. We need to be people who really love people. This is um, verse 36. You see, Jesus actually really loved people. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And the Greek word here for compassion isn't a sort of, oh, it's actually a deep, it's from the bowels, compassion and love for people. And you've experienced that. You're caught up in the love of God. You're caught up already in the love of Christ. You, you know what that's like. You know the intensity of the love of God for you. His forgiveness of you. The fact that he's done everything for you to give you the opportunity to have a flourishing life. And so we need to be people who uh, really, really love people. And I want to say, in a busy life, and hands up if you're not busy, hands up if you're in the middle of the September gear change, you're feeling a sense of dread, you know, uh, there's a few of us I know. Um, Basically, uh, we need to actually focus on people and seek to connect with people. And one thing I've really learned, just sitting on the bench out there on a good day, is I, I basically really see people in a way I don't normally see people, if I'm honest. You know, normally I walk home, and we all do it, don't we? You're walking down the pavement. You, you have a, you, your lane. Is this just me? You have your lane. Someone's coming towards you. You think, oh, they're in my lane, but I'm not going to budge. And I'm not going to make eye contact because that means they might win. No. Um, and then we all do it, don't we? We don't look at people. I was in London the other day. No one looks at anyone in London. And, you know, I remember seeing someone collapse on the floor. I remember seeing all these commuters, these city lawyers and bankers just stepping over. Oh, God, I'm going to be late for work. So I want to play a video just to try and illustrate this point. And this, believe it or not, is put together by a coffee company in America who wanted to sort of get the message across to their employees. As you serve coffee to people, just remember their people. Just remember they have stories. Just remember you're dealing with precious, precious people as they come in. So let's try and watch this video. Hopefully it will work. When it starts, we'll get there.
It's great, isn't it? Who's around you? Who's, who are you surrounded by? Who do you work with? Who do you bump into? What's their story? Uh, Jesus is great because he loves people. He wants to know their story. He knows their story. And he wants to actually connect with people. That's why he came from heaven to earth. If I was Jesus, I wouldn't have come. Would you? I would. I would have stayed in heaven. <laughs> he takes on human flesh. Imagine the limitation of that, having not been human. Being homeless. I wouldn't have done that. And then going to the cross. You see, it's, it's for God so uh, really hated the world that he gave his only son. For God was really, really grumpy. He thought he was going to go and tell those people off, put things right. So he sent his only son. Uh, God so really wanted to ruin your life and mine that he thought he sent Jesus. No, for God so the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And so we need to be people who love people. You know, you might be sitting there thinking, oh, one, why do we have to do one? Why do we have to lead someone to faith? I think this is terrible. Oh, my goodness, this is just, this is another thing the church is asking me to do. I really don't want to do it. I feel inadequate. Oh, my goodness, how dare you suggest this? It's about love. That's what it's about. That's what the whole thing's about. That's what God's about. That's what we're about in the church. So it's rooted in love. And you might say, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not an extrovert. Doesn't matter. You might say, I'm not, I'm not Billy Graham. I'm not J. John. I'm not Nicky Gumble. It doesn't matter. You've just got to be you and do this in your way, in your style. Because when you're yourself, you shine brightly for God. When you try and be someone else or do, you don't. So you've got to just be you. And I think it's true. Clearly, the New Testament says some people have the gift of evangelism. They have a gift of being able to, to speak about Jesus. And more than that, to actually lead people to faith. But that's different to witnessing. They reckon about 10% of people or less have the gift of evangelism. But the whole church, 100%, is called to be a witness who witnesses for the sake of other people in love. So that's the second thing. We need to be people who love people. I also want to uh, say I did finally give the policewoman uh, my details. She said, would you mind being a witness? I thought, I don't really want to. And then I, out of love and care for this guy on the floor, I thought, I'll do it. So she said, what's your name? I said, Andy Wheeler. <laughs> Where do you work? St. Saviour's Church. And... <laughs> If we are going to see people come to faith thirdly, we need to be expectant. I don't know how you feel about this, how expectant you are, but actually, um, you know, Jesus says when we witness, we're fruitful, and actually we can expect a harvest, verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. The, the harvest is plentiful, uh, but the workers are few. And I think we can often end up thinking, oh, well, God's not going to do anything uh, here or what's going to happen. God would never use me. I'll ask that person or I'll say something and, and nothing's really going to happen. But actually, we've got to be optimistic because um, 
God, Jesus himself, said the harvest is plentiful. There's so many opportunities. And, and when we follow him, we're fruitful. When we stay close to him, uh, actually, we're fruitful. And so I want to challenge any uh, negativity. Oh, like, there's no harvest. Nothing's going to happen for me. I don't know anyone. It's all going to be blah, 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 blah. The harvest is plentiful, according to Jesus. And, you know, I don't know what you're like. You can often look around and I think, oh, gosh, I could speak to them, but they'll never come to faith. Oh, my gosh, they'll never come to faith. But actually, the Apostle Paul was one of them. He, he should never have come to faith. He just shows in God's sense of humor that here is someone who really should never come to faith. He, uh, Pharisees of Pharisees. He's legalistic. He's persecuting the church. Uh, when... Um, the, uh, the disciples are asked to spend time with him. They're like, no, do we have to? He's like persecuting uh, the church. But he comes to faith. And so actually we've got to be bold and step out. I want to encourage us to. And, and, and remember that actually we can be expectant. Because to be honest, you know, if I'm honest, like witnessing to that accident isn't really great. It wasn't really great. Uh, it's not the most pleasant thing to have to keep describing. And also, to be honest, um, you know... The car swerved, it hit his leg, he moved back, kind of that's it. That's, that was my witness of that situation. But actually what we're witnessing to, our own experience, our own story of Jesus and who he is, is like, it's wild. It's, it's just absolutely extraordinary. We have the very words of life. God can use us to change someone's eternal destiny. And so this is quite extraordinary. I love what someone said to General Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army. He, he founded the Salvation Army. An atheist friend said this to him, and it really affected his whole life. This is what an atheist said to General Booth. If I believed what you Christians believe, I would crawl across England on my hands and knees, if need be, to tell men and women about it. If I believed what you Christians believe, I would crawl across England on my hands and knees, if need be, to tell men and women about it. Such an amazing thing. And yet we often lose sight of that, don't we? Or we think, oh, oh, eh, <laughs> but it's this amazing, it's amazing thing that we're caught up in. And, you know, what we've done, we've actually got lots of opportunities to, over this term to invite your friends to. I don't know, as you think about your friends, the people you work with, who to invite, you know, uh, basically, they might be in different categories. Some might be sort of people you've maybe had a couple of conversations with, and they might be people who, who've got questions, and you think, hmm, well, actually, what you could do is invite them along to the Ravi Zacharias evenings, on the 14th, the 21st, the 28th of September, and we're looking at these topics. The first one is going to be about how can I find happiness. The second, if God, why suffering? And the third, has science disproved God? These are people based in Oxford. They have the reputation of being the best people in the country at explaining, with quite an intellectual bent, some of these issues. So if you've got friends who you think, actually, you know, they would benefit from that, uh, bring them along. Did anyone go to the last uh, evening series they did about 18 months ago? Uh, lots of you. It was just these amazing nights. They're going to be slightly different this time because we're making them sort of um, 
uh, seeker-friendly or people outside the church-friendly, so it's going to be a bit more informal. But come along, seriously. And I want to encourage you all to come along because you'll, you'll, if you think, oh, I don't know the answer to this or what can I say about that, you'll just get some good material, some good input, some good training. So please think and pray about who to invite, but make sure you put those dates uh, in your diary. You know, the suffering's a massive one. I had two conversations with uh, people outside the church last week, just, what do you do? I'm a vicar. It often leads to a conversation. And we have a long chat with this guy. He's talking about science and God and da-da-da-da-da. So we have a long uh, conversation with him. I'm thinking, oh, it'd be good if he was based in Guildford. You know, uh, he could come. I could have invited him. Uh, and then he said, the thing is, Mike, I don't believe in God. I can't believe in God. I said, why not? He said, my cousin was killed in a car crash the week before his wedding. There can't be a God. I wish you, you were here to come and speak to the uh, Ravi Zacharias stuff. Um, another woman I got talking to, sort of, um, you'd, you'd never pick it. Anyway, we get talking, we're having a spiritual conversation. And uh, she said, the thing is, you know, I, I realized my mum uh, was quite depressed and I've had a difficult life. I realized my mum was quite depressed and could never be there for me. So we had a conversation and I said, Mum, you're not able to look after me, and, and that's fine. So this is how this is going to work. She said, to be honest, I've been quite independent since then, and I, I can't really, you know, I, I, I struggle with the church and all that. I said, how old were you when you had that conversation? She said, five. It's extraordinary, isn't it? This is what people are carrying, but we can actually, we can get equipped um, basically uh, help uh, with these uh, sorts of issues. 30th of September, we've got the Ciroc Dance Night with James and Janie. Uh, I, who loves dancing? Uh, yes, uh, I, I struggle with dancing, but I've done, you know, I make shapes if I have to. But basically, um, <laughs> basically, uh, I have done stuff with James and Janie before. They're dancing stuff. They're brilliant. And again, this is a party night. It's a bit of a laugh. And so, actually, if you think, actually, my friends, they're not going to come to a science and God thing. That's a bit too heavy, or they're, they're not in that place. Why not bring them along effectively to a party, this Ciroc thing? And it would just be fun. It would just be a bit of a laugh. Um, the other thing, of course, is the Alpha course, looming on the 4th, I think, of October. This is a course where we present the basics of Christianity to people um, who, who, who wouldn't describe themselves uh, as Christians, who are exploring. And I want, can I just put this out here? I'm being absolutely serious now. I'd love you all to bring at least one person to the first night. One person. Because we've got to spread the love. We've got to actually witness and spread the love. Yeah? So please, when you hear one, don't think, oh, think of one. Think of five, think of ten. Uh, and just ask, witness, ask. And the thing about being a witness, it's great, you know, because you're not responsible. That's the lovely thing about being a witness. This is the beauty of God's call on our life. There's a, the thing about being a witness, you know, if I, I never got a call. I never heard from that man again or the police officer again. But if she'd phone me out, she'd say, look, Mike, you've got to come and tell your story. And you've got to come to court or you've got to come and do your witness statement. And so you just do your thing and go. Now, what happens in that, in to, to what I say or the outcome of the thing, 
That's not my responsibility. In the same way, when we speak about God, when we tell a bit of our story, and we're going to look at how we can do that in non-embarrassing ways, start spiritual conversations the week after next, um, basically, uh, I don't have to worry about whether people come to faith or not, or it's not my responsibility. Oh my gosh, I've failed. You know, it's not like that. The call is to witness. It's just to speak and witness to what Jesus has done. So it's beautiful. There's some opportunities. And uh, I really, really would encourage us to just take the opportunities uh, that are happening. So finally, the final thing I want to say, I, can't, I would summarize the three points, but I've forgotten them already. Here's the fourth. Uh, let's pray. Let's pray. Verses 37 to 38. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So Jesus says, you know, there's huge opportunities out there. The harvest is massive. We just don't have the manpower to bring in the crop. So please pray. And we need to be people who really pray and um, actually lift up this stuff to God. And uh, I really, really encourage us to pray. I, I'm, I don't normally do this, but I feel a great sense of urgency around this one thing. And what we're doing is we're having termly prayer meetings. The other thing you guys are absolutely brilliant at is praying. Church of Saviors is a church of mature prayer. And lots of, we've got lots of intercessors who pray like crazy, who pray together as a church. We've done all sorts of stuff, but we're having termly prayer meetings. And we've got to appeal to God to actually uh, bring people to faith, give us opportunities. And we're going to do that on the 12th of September. That's quite soon. I think that might be a week tomorrow, uh, 8 o'clock in here. And again, if you come to St. Saviour's, can you just, in this season, uh, be praying like crazy, come and pray for the church? And by the way, the church is us. It's our family. It's what we're doing here. And um, actually, that makes a massive difference because we need to pray like mad that God would Uh, give us opportunities, and God would move by his spirit. Because actually, uh, we need spiritual power. You might feel weak. You are weak. Uh, You need to rely on God. And that's uh, so clear in these verses, just to end with this final verse. You know, I love what they're to take with them. What are they to take with them? Uh, Well, in verse 10, I think it is. 9 and 10, don't take along any gold or silver or copper in your belts. What, no money, no credit cards? Really? Uh, take no bag for the journey. What? No laptop, no iPhone. What are you talking about? Or extra tunic or sandals or staff. Go empty-handed. Because you've got to rely on God's power, on God's spirit to actually make this happen. And uh, this is so important that we uh, remember the, it's, it's all about God doing this. So we don't have to strive and strain and feel like we're failing if nothing happens. We just do our thing and see, and see what God does. And, and we can't do this apart from God, which is why we need to pray. We need to be people of the Spirit uh, uh, who are open to the Spirit as we do this. It's interesting, isn't it? Jesus left the world and basically, in human form, he left the world. He said to his disciples, look, um, I'm going to go. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. And this is going to change your life. It's, it's so essential in the church. Acts 1.8. Uh, you go. I'm sending my Holy Spirit. He will give you power to be witnesses 
in Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We need God's power. And they did that once the Spirit has been poured out. So can I suggest we stand together?